You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of guests, topics are two on Tuesday. Top five countdown to come over the next couple of hours. If you want to get in touch with us, don't forget the usual numbers 86 1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. But I'm delighted to welcome to studio my first guest today. He's been with us on a number of occasions before. He's Superintendent Andrew Waters from the Drogheda Garda District Division. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Sherry. Thanks for joining me today. And we're going to talk about a new initiative that's been launched by you guys called See Something, Say Something in a moment. But before that, I suppose the pressing news is, and while you're here, young Josh Markey, 18 years of age missing in the Drogheda area since last Monday. Can you uh, bring us up to date about this, what's happening? Yeah, that's correct, Jerry. He's, he's missing uh, since he was reported missing by his mother on Monday the 25th. So we're, we're eight days into that now and there has been no sighting as of no sign of Josh. And definitely we're very concerned and we've set up an instant room in Drogheda Garda Station. We have a senior investigating officer appointed to oversee this investigation. There's been, a, there's been a lot of rumour and a lot of, you know, we're getting a lot of information in and obviously we have to follow every line of inquiry that we get and we're doing that. And uh, CCTV is a key part of any investigation of this nature. So uh, we, have, we have a sighting of Josh. Josh, on Sunday night, the uh, 24th, we have his movements in the town of Drogheda for the afternoon at various points. We know he went back to stay with a relative, uh, to back to a relative in Rathmullen on Sunday night. He left that house shortly before 12 midnight. And we now have a sighting of him at the top of uh, Ballsgrove Hill. So at the, at the top of it. And obviously we're following up after that uh, CCTV that might give us any further indication where he went. But um, that's just one of a number of lines of inquiry we're following up. So... Uh, as I've said maybe previously, and I said it's eight days on now, so we're getting a lot more concerned. And, you know, his mother and his family, you know, it's a very, very difficult time for them. And we have a family liaison officer appointed to work with his mother and with his family. But again, uh, I just want to appeal, Jerry, if Josh himself is listening to this or has any access to social media or, you know, I'd just ask him if he would contact somebody uh, just to let us know that he's okay or that he's safe. And, you know, again, also, hand in hand with that, uh, members of the public, anybody that has any little bit of information, you know, you might not think it's important, but please let us make that decision. So contact us at Drogheda Garda Station, uh, 041-987-4200. And, you know, any little piece of information we have will be treated in, in its fullest confidence. But we are appealing for the help of the public uh, in this case. So you are treating it as a missing person still. That's very important That's to correct. Say. It's been treated as a missing person, a high-risk missing person case, principally due to Josh's age. He's only 18 years of age. OK, please God, uh, there will be developments on this sooner rather than later, but it is in absolute focus for Andrew and his team in Drogheda. And any bit of information you have, please do come forward with it. Now, the other issue before we get down, and God, I won't get to what we're supposed to be talking about at all today. No, we will, I promise you. Uh, rank and file Gardy refusing to take up voluntary overtime from today and will for the next number of Tuesdays. How are you fixed? Well, I'm delighted to say, Jerry, that uh, thankfully today uh, this has not affected the service that I'm providing to uh, the, the public in Drogheda and in the Drogheda district. 
we have uh, we we have enough guards out today. We have patrol cars. We have community policing guards working. So we have enough guards. There are days maybe due to resource constraints where we need guards on overtime. And look, if any of those these days coming up, I I'm certainly planning ahead and looking at what we have working on those days. And we'll be doing everything to make sure that we provide the best policing service we can on those dates. I'm not getting into all else that's going on, but I take it that you, like everybody else, and there is a public concern that uh, the issue as regards rosters will be sorted and people will get together soon. Yeah, look, the bottom line is the sooner this is resolved, the better. Mm. Um, And... Uh, we can provide again as a, the best policing service. Uh, there's, there's pros and cons for the different rosters, um, and you know. But the sooner this is sorted out, the better, Jerry. Now let's get down to business, re- and, and important business as well. Everything is important that we've been speaking about. But the reason you're here today is, in recent days, you have launched "See Something, Say Something." Tell our listeners what this is. Okay, "See Something, Say Something," Jerry. It's a confidential, anonymous texting service. So members of the public, uh, and you know, at times people don't want to give their details, they want to give their name, their address, their telephone number. So this affords people an opportunity uh, through a confidential, and I have to stress, this is totally confidential, this service. So uh, it's to, to allow people, say for example, public order on a regular basis, or you know, people drinking on the streets maybe, or anti-social behaviour. And uh, how this works, Jerry, is... The people, you you put the word Drogheda on the text, first of all. You then give the content of your message. So we're asking people, give us enough so that we can take some action. Just don't give us the bare minimum. Just give us enough details on the message. And then you text it to the confidential number, which is 50555. And then when we get that message at the station, we will take the appropriate action in responding to the information that's given to us. So... uh, you know, it's 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 for that type of offence. The big thing, though, that we're trying to encourage the public is this is not a substitute for ringing 999, you know, uh, in an emergency. If, for example, your car has been broken into or, you know, God forbid, you're being assaulted or, or you see an assault, you still ring 999 for that. Or uh, the other number there is 112 or 112 as well. Either 999 or 112. And that's very important to say that. This is not replacing that, folks, by any means. I really like this because I know what you're getting at. Anti-social behaviour going on a regular basis. And people at times are afraid to put their heads up and be identified. You understand that too. 100% we understand that. And that's why we're so uh, anxious to get this system up and running. Um, and it's one of the goals in the Drada Implementation Board, Jerry. and there's been great work done within the Drada Implementation Board. There's been a number of initiatives, the likes of the Ask for Angela campaign. There's a new campaign in relation to drugs and, you know, drugs paraphernalia and syringes and that being dropped on the streets. You know, so there have been, there's a number of initiatives and this uh, See Something, Say Something, I mean, it's it's been a little while coming, but... I would like to encourage the people of Drogheda and the surrounding areas. This is your uh, this is your system. So we want to hear from you. And as the name says, if you see anything that you want to confidentially come to Angarda Síochána, please use the texting service. So you put in the word Drogheda, then the message. Yes. Drogheda first, then yeah. your message, and try and be as detailed as you exactly. can on this, yeah. to the number 50555. That's yeah. 50555. And you're assuring people today, 
in confidence and will be acted on. First of all, again, it is it is totally confidential. Um, the system that is set up through the, the IT system, we don't have access. I don't have access to the number where this this message comes from. So, I mean, I can guarantee the public that uh, you know it's it's totally confidential. Uh, Listener there wants to know, uh, Jerry, would you ask uh, the superintendent, uh, is that the Garda confidential text for the whole country? It's not for the whole country. No, it's no, not. no, it's definitely not. No, the Garda confidential line, as it is, that still stands. That's for the whole country. So the uh, part of the appeal of this is, this is a local uh, t- confidential texting service, and that's why again I am appealing to the people of Drada. It's for you. And it comes straight into the public office in Drada Garda Station. The message comes up on the screen and the guards will take action and there will be, it, depending on the nature of the call, there could be a, a mobile dispatch to it. But it'll also enable me, Jerry, maybe to put plans in place. If, for example, we're getting a number of tech messages that does drug dealing in a certain place on a Friday night, yeah. it'll allow me to use my resources best in, in planning on a week-to-week basis. Stay there. Uh, Superintendent Andrew Waters is staying with me on late lunch. He's from Drogheda Garda Division. Division. If you want to, uh, Drogheda Garda District, should I say, uh, if you want to put a question to him or comment, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Superintendent Andrew Waters from Drogheda Garda District is with me on the show and we've been talking about the new texting service called See Something, Say Something. You text Drogheda and what you want to raise with the Garda to five. 5- Zero five five five. That's five zero five five five. While you're here with me, I might as well take the opportunity to talk in a wider context. From you know, we spoke on a number of occasions when things were very difficult in this area, and the ERU and more resources were assigned here. You talked to me about that. How is it on the ground today? How does the land lie? Yeah, we're certainly in a much better place, Jerry, than we were the last time. I, I think I spoke to you here. Um, Drada was going through. You know, maybe after the Kinahan Hutch, uh, you know, feud, what we were seeing here in Drada was, you know, the, the the second biggest feud, I suppose, in the country, uh, and very very difficult times for the the community in Drada. You know, some of the comments you heard: children, uh, you know, guard a helicopter overnight every night, armed checkpoints, you know, uh, armed support units, but intimidation, houses being born, cars being burned serious assaults and unfortunately we had a number of murders. So uh, moving on two years we are not saying in any way that you know the feud has completely gone away but we are in a much better place than we were back then. Uh, we have a number of the key players are incarcerated. A number of significant investigations still ongoing, you might add that uh, and they're, they're not being forgotten. Uh, there's a number of outstanding matters that we are still fully uh, investigating. And there's a number of people at large and, you know, we're still, we will be coming after them. So it never ends. It's ongoing. And if if you are on the wrong side of the law, there isn't a day coming that you're not going to be, you know, exonerated or escaped. Exactly. And that's the one thing, Gerry. If the feud has given us on Gerard Chicana and again Drogheda, I am delighted to say I have a team of very experienced uh, Gerardy by necessity. You know, they certainly uh, got a lot of experience within a two or three year phrase. So the in the standard of our investigation and the standard of our court prosecutions and the standard of, you know, our missing person investigation today, we've, we've developed a lot of experience over the last three years. 
And, you know, that's that's huge benefit to all the young guards that we got at the height of the feud. Mm. Um, the questions are flying in. I'll not get to them all, but I'll put a couple of them to you anyway while you're here. Take the opportunity. <coughs> the Obelisk Bridge, somebody wants to know, you know, you're involved, of course, in your traffic core and that as well. And, you know, well, the difficulties in town. Have you a view on that? Lister wants to know. Yeah, look, and I think there's been a call for can the guards do anything in relation to the traffic? And... Um, much as I'd love to say, yes, we can. But, you know, as we've said at our Joint Policing Committee recently, uh, you know, like a lot of other areas, uh, districts in, in around the country, we're down a little bit on resources, right? So we're, we're tight-pressed with resources. Can I allocate Gardy every day to traffic? I, I just can't give that guarantee. Um, but certainly, I travel in and out of every, in the area every day, Jerry. I see the issues, I see the problems. So, look... If we can, maybe in in cooperation with Loud County Council, if I can do anything to alleviate that by putting guards out in traffic, uh, you know, it's an area we certainly will look at. Uh, Carl's been on to say, will you ask the superintendent, is the service just for Drogheda Town? What about the surrounding areas, Mornington, Bettystown, Laid Town, Tully Allen, places like that? Yeah, it's been piloted in Drogheda, the Drogheda district. But look, uh, the Drogheda district and, and the, the, the locality around it, we're certainly not going to you know, ignore a yes. text message from, you know, Mornington, Laytown, Tully Allen. But, you know, within Drogheda and the surrounding areas, it's being piloted here with us. Uh, and there are plans maybe based on that pilot to roll it out in other parts of the country. Somebody else asking about WhatsApp there. It's a text service, not it's WhatsApp. A it's a text service. It's a, it's a confidential, anonymous, free Free. Service. It's free. It won't cost you anything. That's no, the other thing free. to say about yes, it. It's yeah, free. It is free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, texting is still important. I know people have migrated to WhatsApp and that for sure, but it is a texting service, just to tell you that. Another one there. Jerry, will you ask Andy, as regards the feud you've just mentioned a few moments ago, can we be assured that the uh, pressure will be kept on those people? Yeah, yes, I, he's reassured I, you. I, I, right. I, I reassured you, Jerry, already in that, and I'll just reiterate that again. Uh, Operation Stratus was the operation that we put into place to deal with the people and the serious criminality involved in the feud. Now, I said already we have a number of sort of key players in prison and we've others out of the country, etc. But a problem you have as well is when you sort out one group, there's always a new group of maybe younger people that are trying to come in and trying to fill the gap. Okay, we're very much aware of that as well. So we're managing that crew that are now trying to fill the gaps that uh, have appeared because of our uh, our successes in, in dealing with the serious criminality that was there. Mm. But Operation Stratus is still going full blast. There you are, full reassurance there from uh, Andrew this afternoon. What, what a success off the coast for your guys and the combination of the for- forces recently. Yeah. Fantastic. It is, and that's, that's a fantastic area. And I know there's huge interaction between international police forces and Mayoc N in particular. Uh, I, in a previous role in headquarters, I had an involvement with the Mayoc N group. They're, they're based in Portugal. And, you know, but the, the liaison between international police forces... Uh, you know, it's it's huge, and you know probably was a, a significant factor in that you know unbelievable detection. Coming back to this tech service and all that you do, without the public's cooperation and support, like your job would be nigh impossible, wouldn't yeah, it? Especially when you look at this area, the growth and all the new people coming to live here. Exactly, and and it's just getting bigger and bigger. The the northern uh, cross there, no matter how it's going to be built there. 
Um, and, you know, in at the start of next year, I'm taking part of the Laytown area, the, the realignment of boundaries in as well. A huge, big population in this area, you know. So, um, you know, a big, big population. But people that know me, Jerry, uh, I have said this for years and years at various ranks. We need the support of the public. We cannot solve all of crime or all of society's woes together. And like the likes to draw the implementation board, the big thing that I see coming out of that is it's improved interagency cooperation. Like we were having little meetings and joint agency meetings, but that has, it has really copper fastened relationships between the various agencies. But again, without the support of the public, and we've worked hard in draw the Garda station in ensuring people that, you know, if they come forward to us and they have any little bit of information they want, and we use social media a lot, we, we use LMFM, but we use the, the, our Facebook page, the Loud Guarded Division of the Facebook page. So people are giving us information and we get a big drug seizure. Like, for too long they were saying, I'm bringing them guards and I'm hearing nothing. So that's why we have proactively used our social media pages, show them the drugs, show them the money, get the pictures out there, and let them know about the arrests and how the court cases are going. See something, say something, text Drogheda to 50555 in confidence. It's there now. We want to hear from you. And the Garda want to hear from you. Final word, Jerry. please pass on our thanks to Superintendent Andrew Waters. He's a true caring and professional Garda and we're lucky to have him in our district. That comes in from Jack today. We'll finish on that note. Andrew Waters, Superintendent, Drogheda Garda District. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for being enjoy. Thank you very much. Now we're talking horses for the next while and I'm delighted to say hello to local horse trainer Pat Downey. Afternoon, Pat. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Good to talk to you today. Well, you're opening up the yard and everything you do there to everybody. When is this happening? Jerry, it's happening on Sunday morning from 11 till 1. Um, we'll have uh, uh, invited everybody so you, you can... Um, Sign up by going into racehorseownership.ie. Um, in it, we'll have um, lots where we'll have the horses galloping on the gallop. We'll have a farrier there, Jerry, uh, and the farrier will show how he, he shoes horses and why why he puts certain shoes on different horses. We'll have a dentist there to show about um, the dentistry and um, to show that the horses have to be looked after like humans with their teeth. We'll have Sean Flanagan, the top jockey, uh, in National Hunt, we'll have Robert Fuerty, who's now the very exciting new apprentice that's doing really well. And we have our own jockeys, Paddy O'Brien, Alex Balf and Leo Grifferty there for everybody to talk to. Fantastic. So in other words, you're opening your heart and your soul to the public. Did you mention that? Do you have to register or can you just go along on the day? Yeah, well, Jerry, we would appreciate if people did go up on racehorseownership.ie okay. because then we'd have a, a figure for the people coming because we want to have refreshments there for them on the day. Lovely. But but if they if they come on the, on the day from 11 till 1, of course, they're all very welcome. Oh, that's good to hear. And, you know, it's an aspect of the game. Like, we see it on the uh, TVs and we listen to the racing on the radio and follow it online and everything, and it's fantastic. But to go behind the scenes doesn't happen that often for the general public. And I'm delighted you're doing this. Tell us, how many horses are you looking after at the moment? Well, in total in the yard, there's about 50, but race horses at the moment, we'd have about between 13 and 15 there at the moment, Jerry. So we, we're, we're a busy yard. We break horses as well. So we'll, we'll try and give an insight into all aspects of um, thoroughbred horses. 
for the people on the day. So I think it'll be very informative for young and old. It certainly will. When you talk about your racing horses there, are you primarily National Hunt? No, Jerry, we do both. We do have a, a, a sprinkling of both, yeah. And um, we have a couple of very nice horses, a horse called Little Big Rocky, who a lot of people would know is a very, very high-class horse. And, we're, and we'd be looking forward to displaying him with other horses like Penny Jar, who's won a number of races for us in the last 12 months. So was, we, we just, we're going to let people see the horses after the work. They can get up close and personal with them. And as I say, between the dentists, the farrier, the jockeys, ourselves, there'll be, uh, uh, there'll be plenty of qu- uh, questions and answers, I'm sure, on the day as well. There certainly will. It'll be a lovely day out for anybody listening to us today. Penny Jar, I was looking at, had a great year in 22 with three wins and on the trot and then placing well in every race this year as well. What's the story behind that, Flair? Uh, who, who owns him? What's his background? He's, he's a, a great character of a man. He's 83 years of age. He's living up in Clonsilla in Dublin, but he's originally from um, Kellystown Slane. And um, he, ha- he had the dam and we raced it, but unfortunately it got injured. But Kevin has been a wonderful owner. We, we, we went in partnership with the horse with my daughter, and he's just been a phenomenon. He's, I think I, he's only been not placed once in his last eight or nine runs. He's just an incredible little horse. Terrific. And he, has a, he actually has a huge fan base, Jerry. Yeah, and you'll be able to meet himself as you, and the other one you mentioned there, and more besides on the day. What about the farrier? Does the farrier um, uh, come to your yard as needs be? Is that the way it works, or do you have your own? Yeah. Yeah, no, Jerry, we, we, he comes to us as needs be, so he would regularly be here once a week. Uh, obviously, horses that are, are running in races would get racing plates put on the week, which are a lighter shoe than the standard shoe. So um, we would put them on on race days. Um, he, he dresses all the other horses. Uh, he's a very interesting job. I think people appreciate it. And maybe some people might turn out to be farriers after being here on the day. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fantastic that it would uh, prize that interest in somebody? And it's often the way it happens. Come back to the dental end of things, the equine dentist demo. Now, this is interesting. A horse's teeth is important, isn't it? Jerry, unbelievably, um, if, if the teeth are not right, they can't break down the feed and then um, they won't thrive as well. So it's, it's a huge part of it and we're, we're very conscious of it. They, they grow things called wolf teeth that have to be taken out. Just like a human being, if they're not looked after, there'll be consequences. So we'd be, we'd be, we use a brilliant guy called Jason McKeown, who's an ex-amateur jockey, who actually also rode our first winner. So we, we have a great relationship with him as well. So this is his speciality now, the dental end of things. Yes, it is indeed. This is what he does full time. Yeah, I heard that before. That I suppose like any, uh, it, it's the same in humans. You need to look after the old choppers and they, they uh, have a big significance in, in the overall health. Tell us about a typical day, will you, uh, Pat, on uh, in the yard there and around the horses. W- what time do you start at and, and, and many times are, do they ride out during the day? Well, Jerry, we'd start at seven in the morning and to get their morning feed. We'd check all their legs and, and to see that all had eaten the night before. Then maybe from eight, half eight, we'd start putting the first bunch of horses on the walker, which basically warms the horses up before the jockeys get up to ride them. And then they'd go up to the gallop to do their, their work, which is different pieces for different horses. 
and they'd come back down, go on the walk, be washed and put on the walker to um, cool down after their work, and then they'd be put in for their lunchtime feed. If the weather's night, they'll be put out in the field for a few hours, and then they'll be brought in in the evening, rugged and fed. So there's, it, it's a very busy day, every day. It certainly is, and the thing about it is, it's 365 days a year. Yeah, it really is. Look, it, you, you want to love this game to do it. Um, we do. Uh, my my wife is brilliant behind the scenes doing all the accounts and bills. Um, my daughter, uh, who works for Horse Race in Ireland, Heather, she's instrumental in everything we do in the yard and helped with the horses. She takes a really big part of that side away from me, which is great and allows me to do other jobs. Now, over the years, you've put a, a lot of four-legged, uh, wonderful creatures through your yard and your hands. I'll put you on the spot now. Um, the favourite horse, have you one that will always stay with you, favourite of all time, if you were to pick one, or is that too difficult? We had a wonderful little horse here called Three Bells. Uh, Mary Duff, the country and western uh, singer, was a partner in the horse, and we had a... a fantastic time with him. He won eight times for Jerry and uh, when he got in a battle he usually won it so I'd have to say him. And what about your most memorable win or winner? Is there a, a, a day that sticks in your mind forever when you won a significant race? Uh, well I wouldn't even say significant. I'd say our first race on the track in Kilbegan. We trained a, a horse and still trained for a man called John Rogers who's the former Attorney General yes. Senior Barrister and that was our first winner on the track and I'd have to say you never beat having your first winner. <laughs> the first time is, is is special for sure. There you go, John, a well-known man indeed. Which brings me to the point of, you know, you mentioned Mary Duff there and a lot of people have interest in horses. Are the syndicates thing still, you know, big? Are, are there groups still getting together and buying horses and funding horses? Yes, Jerry. there's two options they can do. They can buy and then they can lease. We've actually, an example of that, we leased a filly here about nine weeks ago that we bred ourselves and we have people from Galway, um, we have people from Dublin, we have people from Mead, Loud, involved in the horse. And they all get to meet each other, which is fantastic on the day of the races. And she's ran three times already and has very encouragingly ran the three times. So we'd be very hopeful she'll win very soon. Oh, that's great to hear. So it still is vibrant. Look, there's nothing to beat being involved in a winner uh, at any stage. And you see the joy that it brings to people uh, to get that uh, first pass the post. In in terms of, of animals and as a creature, there's a lot of people listening to us today who wouldn't be equine familiar or uh, love watching it, of course, from a distance, not know much about it. As creatures, how would you describe them? Uh, very intelligent, most of them. Uh, <laughs> um they, uh, some of them have their quirks, but oh my God, it, it's getting to know them and 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 to be able to deal with them. It's it, 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 there's great satisfaction in it, Jerry, to to get the most out of them, get their ability, and show how good they are. And it's also great that the owners then, when the horse wins, that they get a fantastic feeling. And and it, it's just it's wonderful on the good days. And on the tough days, you've just got to take them on the chin and and move on and make sure the next day is a better day. And the relationship between jockey and horse, you know, you see them paired up, the big names with the wonderful horses. Does that apply right through, that relationship between jockey and animal, that, that uh, connection, the knowledge between them, so important? 
Oh, very, very much so. There's, there's, um, you've seen it with all the top jockeys there, uh, how well they, they get on with certain horses. But I also can say, like, one of the jockeys there I mentioned, Paddy O'Brien, he rode his first winner ever in Town last year for us with Penny Jar. And, like, see young guys and to believe in them and, and give them the encouragement to go on and, and hopefully become a top jo- jockey. Paddy's gone on now and I'd say he's rode maybe 150 horses at this stage uh, and he he's, has had a great strike rate. So it's lovely, Jerry. not only the big jockeys but the younger jockeys that yeah. are given opportunities and I think yards like our smaller yards we're, we're, we're very loyal to our, 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 our jockeys and uh, like it's great to have the likes of Sean Flanagan for the big days and but also to give young jockeys chances is very important in this industry. Ah, oh, well said. Well said indeed. And of course, the women are certainly putting it up to the boys now, aren't they? We have some wonderful uh, women jockeys in this country. Oh, absolutely. Like even Siobhan Rutledge there on the flat, she's been a phenomenon over the last few years. Um, and of course we all owe it to Nina and Katie Walsh mm. they were the ambassadors for us and, and now we have Rachel is probably the, the most I'd say if we asked any child in Ireland uh, who's the champion jockey they mightn't say Paul Town and they'd probably all say Rachel Blackmore <laughs> so it, it's been a great it's been great for racing that girls have got more involved in it and have got more opportunities It's funny you say Rachel my granddaughter one of my granddaughters Ava the oldest of them um, she's a great fan of Rachel Blackmore and we were in the car the weekend and I was telling her I was down in the Manila Hotel in Clonmel and straight away she said Rachel Blackmore Manila Indo gang gang <laughs> she was on the ball like a bullet <laughs> She loves her. Oh, it was great to hear. Anyway, Pat, it's been yeah. fantastic catching up with you today and I just want to remind everybody the yard is on the Drogheda side of Slane and it is uh, this Sunday uh, from 11 to 1. Uh, Pat is opening up his yard. You'd be as well to register on racehorseownership.ie That's racehorseownership.ie if you're going along. If you could do that, it'd be great. But as Pat said, you can show up 11 to 1 on Sunday and you'll be made very welcome. Continued success to you and everybody at the yard and good luck with the weekend, Pat. Thank you very much, Jerry. God bless. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Bye-bye. Pat Downey there speaking to me from his yard in County Mead. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, Tuesday afternoon. What's coming up after the break? Yes, it's your two on Tuesday. It's time for our two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Back to 1976 we go for our two on Tuesday this Tuesday afternoon and a cracker it is. It was the follow up to the big, big number one this group or band had in the charts. Do you remember You To Me Are Everything? Ah, yes, I'm talking about the real thing. They followed up with this one. It made it to number two, only stayed there for one solitary week. Let's have a listen to our two on Tuesday, first Tuesday in October. When I leave your door When we say goodnight It hurts me more and more 
can't get by without you. 1976. Never made it to top spot. Just number two for one week only. So, what prevented it from making it to top of the UK charts? Well, when I tell you the song came from ABBA, you'll understand why this one was ABBA's only number one in the United States. It was their third consecutive number one in the UK following Mamma Mia and Fernando and it stayed top of the pile in Britain for six weeks. Yes, a worldwide number one hit preventing our two and Tuesday making it to the top. It's ABBA and the Dancing Queen. I think it's a no contest today. But we'll hear from Judge Judy now in a second when she stops rooting around. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With that muffler on the microphone. <laughs> fell off. It fell off. <laughs> Just like that. You know what? Most things in your life fall off. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> You're an unfortunate crater. You really are. If I'm just the total opposite of you. If Everything fa- that I touch just disintegrates. <laughs> if that involves disorganized, off, late, it'll everything. Fall off with Louise, that's for sure. But that's why we love you. It's the yin and the yang. Sure, we're all the same. It'd be a born bloody world this that we live in. Anyway, as I'm saying, no contest no. really, is there? No. Dancing queens. Definitely <laughs> yeah. real thing. Yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm Jeepers. kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, Abba, we're right. both for Abba today. We both go for Abba, yes. And why not? Late Lunch LMFM Radio short break and I'm delighted she's in the house with us today. It's our pharmacist, Cathy Marr. Delighted to have one of our good friends in the house with us, pharmacist Cathy Marr from Haven Pharmacy in Duleek is here. Good to see you again. Hi Jerry, how are you? I'm really good. I saw you on the television recently. <laughs> 
Well, you're a star. What was he doing? You're a star. You were presenting. Are we in the house of the Oireachtas or somewhere? Were you oh, up? we were. You were, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. We were in, last week we were invited in by some of the Green Party to speak about expanded services and the extended scope of practice for pharmacy. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been, we've been very busy. Mm. While you're on that, I, I've been, uh, do a lot of reading anyway, of course, with this job. Uh, but I was reading where a lot in the pharmacy business, quite a number of people were saying, we're thinking of maybe getting out of the yeah. game. Why is that? Yeah, that was launched by our regulator, which I suppose from one respect, obviously I work with the IPU, the Irish yes. Union, the professional representative body, but that was by the regulator, so the people that inspect me. Um, and they actually recognise not only in community pharmacy where I work, but also hospital pharmacists. People would know if they're ever in hospital and need medicine, there's hospital pharmacists there. Um, we worked very intensively throughout COVID and as a sector we stayed open um, long hours it was very intense trying to keep ourselves safe trying to keep our team safe and trying to provide services to people under really difficult situations pharmacy in the community we weren't given any supports by the HSE or by mm. government in terms of financial supports for any of our PPE any of that and also just the layer of administration burden that's been put on us um, over the past two to five years has been really intense. So most of your listeners would know if you go to the doctor now and um, we'd have a conversation, if you've gone along to your GP, he'll say, sure, I'll email that prescription to the pharmacy. Yes. But the difficulty is the law didn't catch up with what we currently now do post-COVID. So the pharmacy by law must print your prescription and still stamp it and date it and handwrite it and do all the bits that we had to do before that. So there's a lot of legislation there. Um, and with that, so the cost of paper, the cost of ink, I'm spending three or four thousand a year just in paper, just to print now because the law didn't catch up. So um, you might also remember before COVID, you might have had to sign for your prescriptions. Mm. Um, so that was paused for COVID. But now the HSE are thinking of perhaps bringing that back in. And that would mean I'd have to print everything twice. So I'm printing about seven or eight kilograms of paper. I think we estimated there's 72 million sheets of A4 paper being printed by pharmacy every year. So that's, I think, one of my colleagues. do you know where it goes? It goes to my stockroom because I must hold that paper by law on the premises for two years if I'm inspected by the regulator. Okay. So you're absolutely right. So you have to store that as well. Absolutely. I think around 93% of community pharmacists said they felt stressed or burned out Mm. and 73% of hospital pharmacists. And with that... Um, 27% felt that they were going to leave the profession, which we are graduating the really skilled. The young people coming out now are really bright. They're at the top of the, yeah. the pile. And the clinical expertise they have is unreal. So to swamp them in paperwork for nothing. And then in terms of fees, ourselves, and I know the barristers are on strike today, but ourselves and the barristers are the last sector left to have no unwinding of any fee cuts that happened during the financial emergency mm. 15 years ago. So I am still paid what I was paid 15 years ago by the government. OK, so there's a lot of issues there yeah. that you've mentioned. They need to be resolved. That's a high figure. That's one in three getting yeah. out of the business, which we would yeah. certainly feel the pinch from. Yeah. Anyway, that process has to... Well, absolutely. That has you know, to, be dealt to manage. And I suppose yeah. people People will look at pharmacies and their own pharmacists go above and beyond mm. and they'll say to me, but you're still there, you're still open, you must be trading. But you wouldn't know that I've remortgaged or you wouldn't know that we've had to go to the loan, take the COVID payment breaks. Pharmacists do what they have to do to keep their business afloat. You know, my home would be my guarantee on my business. So mm. that's what everybody has to do to stay afloat, like any 
independent business. We do what we can to keep our staff and keep our businesses afloat. I have to say I valued the pharmacists so much. I'm probably a good customer as well. But I mean, they they are so helpful always. And I will say that you're terrific and at the heart of the community as well. Let's hope that you know, yeah. works its way through and is resolved uh, to um, satisfaction and that we don't lose that amount of people from the business. Now, let's talk about a, a couple of issues that are prominent at the moment. Uh, free contraception uh, has been expanded for women aged 27 to 30. Yeah, that is. And, and that leads on to another. Well, my phone binged at 5am this morning with the news in the papers this morning about expanding the role. The free contraception service has been amazing and it's been really helpful at addressing one of the barriers to access to contraception. Crisis pregnancy is still a big problem in Ireland and we need to ensure that we help those that may be at risk of a crisis pregnancy, but also to allow access for women to access their own and have ownership of their own reproductive health. So um, around the world globally, it would be established that not only is financial issues a barrier to contraception, and it is a challenge. I'm obviously from Northern Ireland and contraception is completely free in the UK for anyone, for any age group. So I would have seen that over the decades, you know, from when I qualified. Mm. So it's been really amazing to see it in Ireland, um, 12 months now in, in operation, free contraception initially. It started from the 17 to 25 year old yes. age group. Then it went to 26. In September, it went to 30. And, and it's only a budgetary issue, I'd imagine, as to why it's not all Yeah, women. this is what That's, I'm saying. Why shouldn't be, it be for everybody of a reproductive well, age? The budget is this time next week, so I'd like to see yeah. that perhaps that would be extended mm. and then that's one barrier addressed in terms of cost. So say if someone, a, a woman, an older woman may wish to have a, a coil and fit, fitted, yep. they're 150, 160 euro just for the device alone and then to ha- pay to have it fitted I don't know how much GPs charge, it could be another 60 or 80. But that should be free and it's free for anyone under the age of 30. So that's a super service. But then now the next step would be to allow contraception be accessible through pharmacy and GP. And it's not an either or and it's not somebody trying to eat someone else's lunch. It's very much let's open accessibility up for women and see because most women in the contraceptive age are 17 to late 40s they've got school they've got college they've got jobs they've got childcare issues they've got all of those things and maybe cannot take a day off to go to a general practitioner and maybe use up an appointment that is a generally low clinical skill in terms of general practice Mm. appointment that could be freed up for someone who needs it Mm. The WHO would have announced maybe in 2019 that there's no clinical reason for contraception to stay on prescription only status. So pharmacies are the medicines experts. So it's only right and proper that if a woman had a structured consultation with a pharmacist, then they should choose. They could choose to have their contraception delivered through pharmacy. So broadly welcomed and the hope that it will go beyond this in the very near future. Crisis pregnancies, you know, with all the education Mm -hmm. we have now, with all that's available... You wouldn't think that it's still a major issue. It still does happen. Um, There still are contraception failures. Mm. There still are, maybe there are other substances involved. This still does happen. And we're really lucky. It was 2011 when emergency contraception became available without prescription in Ireland. So if I have an emergency contraception or morning after pill, as people will know it, conversation with a a woman. Um, And they're all age groups. It's not just 17 and it's not just 30. It could be well into their late 40s, someone who's perhaps perimenopausal and have no idea what way their cycle is and do not need a baby at that age. So it's right across all the full reproductive age. But if I'm having a conversation, part of my protocol to supply that must be, what are we going to do about contraception going forward? 
And for that person to decide, well, I'd like to maybe, maybe I go back on the pill or maybe I'll take the pill or maybe I had a pill failure or a condom had burst. My next natural step should be to be able to offer the pill to that woman, mm. but I must then refer them back. And then it's down to the, the barrier to access then. Crisis pregnancy still is a problem. It still can happen. And the impact on that person's life, if it's not a pregnancy that's wanted, can be drastic. And then they're into then perhaps abortion or termination care and not everyone wants to go down that road. Mm. So crisis pregnancy is still a very big issue and still that we need to support women through. I'm listening to bureaucracy and everything you've said today. That yeah. word just came back to me there again when you just talk about that last issue there. Yeah. There's a lot of paper. There's, there's a lot, lot of... And, lot and I know people are have to be ultra careful and yeah. we live in a litigation driven society as well and then when things go wrong they tend to go wrong big time you know but absolutely but everything has to be done with common sense mm. approach and everything that I've spoken to you about over the years yeah. when I meet politicians they'll say why isn't this happening and we've spoken about my minor ailments we've spoken about so many things and we think why isn't it happening now it feels when my phone binged and I saw in all the printed press that um, this task force set up by the Minister for Health is due to report back by the end of October but I think the legislation was going to be tabled today to enact some of this some of these changes we're, we're almost it feels like we're on the cusp of something something and something important and that will then give young pharmacists and, and pharmacists as old as me a real job satisfaction so if they're doing the clinical job that they're trained to do rather than drowning in paperwork yeah. that's what we want to be doing What is the difference between cold and flu please? Cold and flu Absolutely I suppose it's worth remembering the Influenza, or flu as we know it, can be a really, really serious illness. And almost 200 people died last year in last year's flu season. So we were kind of just emerging out of COVID. Almost 200 people died from influenza, not from complications, but from influenza. It's really important to remember that. So the best way of protection against it, as you mentioned at the outset, is vaccination. But a flu will know, people will know if they've had a flu, an actual flu in their lifetime. And you might have one or two in your full lifetime. It can come on, it's usually a sudden onset. So it'll come on like a very severe headache, a very severe infection, sudden fever. The fever might be up as high as 39, 40. Um, Complete malaise, really intense fatigue, very, very unwell. And I think the joke is always if there's a 100 euro sitting on your dresser downstairs, could you go down for it? And if you can't physically get out of the bed, you can't. There's a very intense headache, um, general aches and pains, shivering. You may or may not have any nasal symptoms. So oftentimes with the general influenza, people may not have the runny nose, the blocked nose, the cough. It's actually the virus is attacking inside. A cold tends to be that a rhinovirus tends to be the virus that causes a cold and that will impact your, um, obviously, your your nasal passages. You'll have the post-rhinal drip. You'll be drippy nose, runny eyes, feeling a little bit congested. You might have a sore throat and a chest, you know, a chesty cough or viral, a tickly cough either. And that's absolutely fine. A flu can come with really sudden onset and if not treat appropriately with paracetamol fluids, lots of bed rest and watching for people who are at risk of complications that become very, very serious. Okay, that is very clear. Thanks indeed for explaining. We know the difference now. The flu jab, it's based on what has happened in other parts of the world that comes our direction, just to explain yeah, that, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So the WHO will be watching the World Health Organization. They watch the Southern Hemisphere. So they've just, they're just coming out of their winter as we head into our winter and they'll see what viruses were prevalent. They even down to what way are the, 
the winds, the weather, you know, what way are things blowing? Um, but while viruses were prevalent in the Southern Hemisphere for their flu season, um, that's more likely going to be what travels to the Northern Hemisphere for our flu season. So this year there's four strains of inactivated flu virus in this year. So it's a quadrivalent, quad meaning four, quadrivalent vaccine that we are delivering for flu vaccine this year. They've just landed in pharmacies and GP surgeries. They came in towards the end of last week and as of October 1st, that's deemed now vaccination season. So we're, we're, we've all hit the ground running GPs and pharmacies. And what's really important to remember is it takes two weeks for the vaccine to be fully effective. So there's lots of myths around it. And I've had a, quite a number of patients on all of last week and into this week talking around, should I have it? Should I not have it? Will it give me the flu? How will I feel afterwards? And we talk through all of that. So the first one, the flu jab will give me the flu. I got it once before. I felt rotten afterwards. I'm never getting it again. So if we bear in mind something's going to take two weeks to become effective. So we inject inactivated virus into your system, your body then begins to produce antibodies as though it's fighting an infection so that when your body does become into contact with the flu virus in a few weeks time or months time, the body knows what to do and how to fight against it. So there is going to be a little bit of a a sensation of shivery feeling, bit of a temperature, you might feel aches and pains. That tends to last for about 24, 48 hours. It's not too debilitating. You can feel a little bit miserable and generally pain and swelling at the injection site. And that's okay too. Oftentimes if someone will say, but I got a really chesty cough for weeks afterwards, it's very possible, and we're seeing lots of respiratory illnesses beginning to circulate now, it's very possible that you just came into contact with another virus got another infection while the flu vaccine was beginning to do its job in the body. So it's not fully effective for about two weeks and that's why we encourage people, particularly those in the at-risk groups, that they get vaccinated as early as they can in the season because that means they're protected for longer. If you have a heavy cold or you've had something recently, should you wait a little while before getting the vaccine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's a set um, protocol of questions that we will go through when someone presents to have their flu vaccine administered. So I'll check with you if you have a temperature. You may have a little bit of a sniffle mm. and we kind of use our clinical judgment to gauge is it a bit of a sniffle? Are we better off pausing this? Or actually, if you're OK and maybe it's just very, very mild, you're OK to go with it. If you have any kind of temperature, we definitely would say step back and we, we rebook the appointment for maybe another two weeks time to see how you go. If you're on antibiotics, I'd be inclined to hold off and see. And then there are other clinical criteria that we check and see if that vaccine is appropriate, if you have egg allergy, if there are other things, we just go through all of that, make sure people are fully informed with what's even in the vaccine Mm. before they consent to, to having it administered. Who should get it? Everyone. Everyone. But particularly those in the at-risk groups. So the HSE provide the flu vaccine free of charge for anyone in the at-risk group. So anyone aged 65 or older that has been deemed the at-risk group this year. Children between age 2 and 12 So there are um, nasal sprays that would be coming out. They're not just out yet. They have a shorter shelf life. So they tend to come in usually towards the end of October and there's a scramble to try and get as many kids done, sometimes in the midterm, and get kids done as quickly as possible because there's a very short shelf life on those vaccines. Anyone between the age of 13 and 17 um, and if they're at risk, so if they're clinically at risk, they also need to have the vaccine and they can either have the quadrivalent, the QIV, into their arm or the nasal spray when it comes in sock. And then anyone with a chronic condition. And then people will wonder, do I have a chronic condition? But I feel perfectly well with my diabetes. 
because that's normal for them. I feel very well and it's well managed. But to me, that would be a chronic condition because if you have a chronic condition, that will put you at a higher risk of developing further complications. We don't want influenza to develop into a more serious infection or even into pneumonia or in something much more complicated. So if you have if you feel that you need to see a GP for a chronic condition, maybe once or twice a year, then I would put you in the at risk group and make sure that you have um, your flu vaccine. And then my other group that I always ask people to check in with are carers, those that care for those either that are housebound or that are perhaps in residential situations or that someone has a very, very ill family member or house member. Someone's caring for someone. Carers need to look after themselves, not just to protect themselves, but also to protect the people that they're looking after. So care is really important that healthcare workers like myself. Um, healthcare workers aren't always the greatest at hitting their targets, Terry. So it's a reminder. We did find that when pharmacies really upped the ante in terms of flu and COVID vaccines, that it was much more accessible for healthcare workers to pop into the pharmacy on the way home and have it done. So we've made a big impact there. Um, and then anyone working with guinea fowl and pigs and, and certain um, farm workers need to have vaccine. Make done. sure you have it done. Um, so book your appointments now. And can you book for children? You can book. Um, we're well. Depending on the age group, yeah, the, the nasal sprays haven't come in yet, okay. so you could book. But I, I'd actually rather, I personally, I would rather wait until they were in my fridge okay, before I make those appointments. Them. We have a minute left. COVID vaccine. Yeah, so COVID has probably, probably moved to what's now known as a seasonal. Mm. It's going to fall through. So the like yourself, Jerry, if you came in to me, I check when your last COVID vaccine was and try and get you one vaccine in each arm, flu in one arm and COVID in the other. So if your COVID vaccine is at least three months, your booster is at least three months since your last booster, but preferably six and you're over the age of 50 and perhaps have a chronic condition, then you're in that category of maybe having another booster. People will have started seeing their phones beginning to ping again that maybe in their at-risk group, the HSC are contacting people and the phones are pinging. So absolutely, pick up the phone, get your COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine. It can be done at the same at time. At the same time. One in each arm. People are a little bit reluctant in terms of the side effects and that's understandable. But have the paracetamol at home, have your fluids and rest ready if you need to. But the reason I've given one in each arm means actually it's done. It's it, it's You've it's put done. it to bed really You've done for one this appointment, season. that's yeah. how we're doing it. If you had COVID... Wait Again, three months. Be, yeah, Wait three months. It. Yeah, if you've had COVID already, Kathy, it's been great. Thank you so much uh, for dropping in. It was so informative as usual, and uh, we'll see you again in see the near soon. future. Thanks a million for joining me on the show. Forty years. Every Saturday during the year, I'm talking about Ravensdale Country Market. Yes, they have a significant milestone this coming weekend. 40 years every Saturday, bar emergencies or things like that, we know. But 40 years is tremendous and you can pick up anything there really. The fruit and veg, jams, honey, new health styles and food and trends, crafts, you name it. They have it all there in Ravensdale Community Hall each Saturday. Opens at 10.30 and runs till lunchtime, around about 12.30. And they're inviting everybody along to celebrate with them this weekend, to celebrate the 40 years. It's going to be a very, very special Saturday at Ravensdale Country Market this Saturday in the Community Hall. And we wish them all the very best with that there. It's a fantastic achievement. Such longevity. Brilliant, brilliant indeed. Now let's do this little thing on late lunch at this time. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... 
Yes, and we're talking about the number four from this very week in 1986. And it's associated with EastEnders, the soap opera. I was trying to remember it myself and it didn't ring a bell with me. I'm going to have a listen to it now and see does it bring back any memories. Yes, it featured heavily in the BBC soap over the summer of 1986 where the song was sung by Simon Wixy Wicks, of course, played by who? Yes, the man who had the hit with it. Nick Berry, of course. Here it is, our number four from this week in 86 in Top 5 Countdown in Your Late Lunch. It's Every Loser Wins. And every loser wins. Our number four from this week in 1986. Louise, do you remember that song at all? Yep. Do know you? all the words. Really? Yeah. Smash hits. <laughs> well, do you know it was the second yeah. biggest selling single in the UK in that year? Oh, I remember him on top of the pops. Very suave with the suit, as far as I know. Were you swooning? I don't know what. He was somebody Wicks in EastEnders, wasn't he? Yeah. What was his name? Simon, was it? Simon Wicks. Wixie. Simon Wicks, Wixie. yeah. Wixie. Um, yeah. And I think at that time that he was like, uh, you know, he was one of the top oh, yeah. in the heartbreakers. Oh, he was. He was. But I've seen words like sentimental garbage about the song. Yeah, well, I'd agree with it now. But at the time, it was a big hit. Music to vomit to. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If it was on the top two on Tuesday now, I wouldn't go for it now. I'd be going for the other one, whatever one it was. It'll never make it there, I can tell you for sure. After the day, that's the first and last play you'll ever hear on late lunch of that one. Ah, uh, you know Unless what? Unless you really want to sicken somebody. Yeah, well, that's true. We might just hold it in reserve. Yeah. Airtel is finished. Airtel. Ooh. Do you remember Airtel? Yeah, Airtel. To, my mother used to always check the, num- uh, the, the horse racing results. Well, that came under Sport. One three zero was oh, the was, was the page number for Sport. Mm. Uh, I when when it came out first, it was revolutionary, and everyone went to it for the news and the latest news. Now today, oh my God, like it's just twee at this stage. But anyway, it's been finished up. Eighty six, it was launched. Forty years later, um, it was an experiment in eighty six. Forty years on the air, uh, run digitally since twenty nineteen, and it's been ended uh, on mm. Thursday, the twelfth of October. Do you it's think many over. people used it? Still. Oh, in its day, but uh, 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 not no, at all, not at all. News was one oh one, TV radio one forty, the sport your mother looked at like myself one thirty, and the weather was one fifty. They were the most popular numbers but, when you brought it up. But what about a generation who doesn't have smartphones? Would they have still used it? Would they still use it like until recently? I think there may have been some people using it, but. God Almighty. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't carry it on for this ah, small amount. Not at all. So look at something happens and there's a tweet and it's out in seconds. Airtel, yeah. you know, dump, 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 uh, chunking along. No, it's gone. Bye bye, Airtel. Oh. You had your day. You were wonderful. But it's all over, my friend. We'll never see you again. Thanks for the memories. Is Airtel. that to Airtel or to me? Air- <laughs> 
Holy God <laughs> Almighty. It's time to take a break on late lunch. See you in a minute. We began late lunch today with an appeal by Superintendent Andrew Waters uh, for information on the whereabouts of young Josh Markey, a teenager missing in the Drada area. And we conclude today with another appeal for information on Mark Rubber Duffy, who was last seen in Navin on October 3rd last. And I'm joined once again on the show by his sister, Leah. Hello, Leah. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, nice to talk to you again, but I say not in these circumstances. Since we spoke last, no developments, no word. Nothing at all. No, unfortunately not. We've had absolutely no contact from Mark whatsoever. And as far as people maybe seeing him or hearing from him, nobody has there's been no more sightings, nothing. It's just absolutely nothing. End of the road type of stuff. You've uh, explored everything, all angles. The investigation I know is still open and all lines are, but nothing has come forward. Do you accept at this stage that really you're not looking at ever seeing Mark again? Is it is it a, a search now or information on where his remains are? Personally, that's how I feel anyway, um, because I know my brother Mark and I know... I know that he would never, ever go this long without contacting one of us, one of the family. You know, he'd it just wouldn't be in his character and there would be no reasonable explanation for him doing this. Like, I mean, the mother of his children passed away very suddenly at Christmas, just after Christmas. And, like, effectively, the children have obviously lost their mom and they don't know where their dad is. So I don't believe that if Mark was aware of what was going on, that he would not come back for his children, you know, under the circumstances. So Evan and Lauren are effectively orphans now. They have no mam, no no dad. And I hear what you're saying. Mark is not yeah. that type of guy. Let's try no. once again to jog perhaps somebody's memory or is there anyone out there with any strand of information? He was seen walking and he'd a limp at the time on the Commons Road in Navin around about a quarter to three on the 3rd of October. That's right, yeah, and that would have been an extremely busy time with people up and down doing school runs and, you know, children coming and going from school. So it would have been a busy time of the day where there would have been a lot of people out and about. Um, And that is the last official confirmed sighting of Mark was around that time on that day. And he literally just walked onto the line and just disappeared, literally disappeared. Not another trace of him. Wearing a black jacket, a cream hoodie, black tracksuit bottoms and trainers. Quarter to three on the 3rd of October. Busy road, a lot of people milling about there at the time. Does it jog anything with anybody? It's out of character. It was even out of character for him not to be in contact, what, for 24 hours, never mind over a year. Exactly. And like he had been in contact with family and he was speaking to and he had, he had made arrangements on the following morning to, to take a phone call as well. So like, I mean, you know, he, he was texting um, on that day as well, on the third and everything seemed OK. Um, and then like that, just nothing. It just went from having some contact to having absolutely nothing. You know, he had plans. He had a job. He was due to start a job in construction um, down the country in Limerick. And he was so excited about that. It was probably, I suppose, his, his the job he'd been searching for, you know. So, um, like, he had everything to look forward to. But, Leah, somebody 
knows something. This is the awful part of these situations. It's not that nobody knows. Somebody knows what happened to Mark or where Mark is. And if anybody had half a heart, they'd come forward or or let somebody know or pass information on in some way. That's what you're looking for. That's it. And like, I want to reassure people that the guards have said it as well. You know, you can give this information in complete strict confidence. You know, it will be treated 100% confidentially. And, you know, if anybody out there, you know, maybe they didn't realise it at the time, but maybe they realise it now and they can see the heartache that Mark's two children, my mother, our whole family has been destroyed. If there's anything that they may have forgotten and they remember it now, just pick up the phone and ring somebody or, you know, contact the guards or contact a fa- one of us in the family. Um, you know, like we, it, the guards have reassured that anyone that gives information, it will be treated in the strictest of confidential. So, you know, I would urge anyone that would, if they do, because as everyone has said, you know, somebody, somebody knows where Mark is. Somebody mm. knows where he went. He didn't just go onto the railway line and disappear into thin air, you know. So please, I'm just begging you, you know, if you have anything at all, however small or insignificant you might think it may be, just just tell somebody. If not for our sakes, for his children's sake, mm. you know, mm. that, that they can get something, you know, some sort of peace of mind. Yeah, and that and that little strand of information that you might think is insignificant. Uh, I said it earlier on, talking to Andrew Waters, the superintendent, in another case, can be so important and can just unlock the whole mystery of, of what happened. It's it's heartless, it's cruel, it's absolutely shocking that there's been nothing and that there is knowledge out there. Please, if you have a heart, if you have a conscience, if you have anything for his mother, his family, his children please, please come forward a year on and offer that information in confidence to the Gardaí anywhere or a third party or whatever. Everyone would be so grateful. There's even the Missing Persons Helpline. They have been a great support to our family and it's worth mentioning for other families that may be going through similar things to us. They're actually a brilliant organisation and, um, you know, you can even contact them with information. So there's, there's loads of options there for people you know, if if they do feel that they have something that can help us get Mark home, because effectively that's all we want to do. We just we just want mm. to bring him home, and um, where he belongs. You know, that's it. All we hear Give what you're saying. Offer. Yes, I know, Leah. I know. We know what yeah. you want, and please God, that will happen sooner rather than later. Later, yeah. Mark Duffy deserves uh, a proper end of life. He really does. He deserves to go home to his family. If you know anything, please help them, folks, will you? Leah, thanks for joining me on the show again today. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. Shocking that, isn't it? Help if you can, please. Paul McKenna is coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We're back with Midweek Late Lunch tomorrow from 1.30, but we'll say goodbye to you in the company of Anne-Marie today. See you tomorrow. Well, your love is worse, worse than cigarettes Even if I had 20 in my hands Oh, baby, your touch, it hurts More than hangovers No, that bottle don't hold the same regret When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.